Yeah, grab your Bibles. We're talking about reigning in life with Jesus. Reigning in life with Jesus. Reigning in life with Yeshua. Yeshua. Reigning in life with Joshua. You know, Jesus is uh, is Joshua in the Hebrew. Did you know that? Captain of salvation, victor, overcomer. Amen? We are partakers of his nature. Did you know that? We are partakers, and you are a reigner in life. How many of you know that? You believe it? Two of you believe it. I know you're thinking that since pastor is being mellow right now, I should be mellow. But this is a moment for you to be crazy. We get to reign in life because we are in him. We are wrapped up in him. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, 17 and read it together. Romans 5, 17. That we reign in life because we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Anybody received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in this place? It's His righteousness that we stand in. It's His righteousness through which we have a relationship with Father. It's His righteousness in and through which we have received the Holy Spirit. It's actually in his righteousness that we have authority over the curse and the demonic realm. It's not our righteousness. It's his gift of righteousness that we've received by faith. Anybody believing this morning, if we believe upon him, if we believe upon him, then grace is poured out upon us that we might receive the gift of righteousness The gift of righteousness restores us into that realm where the first Adam was before the fall. It restores us into that realm wherein we have fellowship with God. And Romans 5 says it's not just righteousness, but when righteousness, the gift of His righteousness, the sinless one, is given, imputed, deposited into your spiritual bank account, then God from that moment sees you as justified, which means just as if you never sinned. Now, if you sin, the moment you acknowledge that sin and reapply or re-receive His righteousness, because the Word says in 1 John 1, 9 that He cleanses us of those sins, Yes? That he's faithful and just to cleanse us of those sins, which that's an interesting that's an interesting area there that we don't have time for. And to restore us in righteousness. So the moment we the moment we re repair, that's why that's why uh, when you've messed up. You don't want to avoid God. You want to run to God. Stay repaired. Remember, righteousness that's imputed to you as a gift doesn't remain yours and upon you because of works. It remains yours and upon you because you stay humbly believing. You keep running to Him. You keep believing. You walk in humility. You keep receiving. You keep acknowledging that He's your salvation. 
He's your deliverance. He's your help. He's your representation. He's your representative. Amen? And this, this causes you to be, be, to be lethal. This causes you to be lethal. This, this causes you to be overcoming. You're, it causes you to be totally joined to or knit to Jesus. We, we told you a couple weeks ago that the great illustration of, of the gift of righteousness is the robe that was put upon the prodigal son as he's returning home. You know what that robe is? That robe is Jesus. That's why Paul said, put on the Lord Jesus. You are clothed with the Lord Jesus. The robe of righteousness that is on you is the Lord Jesus. You are so knit to him. You are so one with him that Father has expanded the Trinity to let you in. John 17, make them one with us. Give them the glory that you gave me. That means you're covered with glory. They lost the righteousness in the garden, and they were naked. You know what naked was? They lost the glory. They lost righteousness. They lost the glory. You're restored in righteousness. You're given the glory. What if we cop? I know I'm on this kick, but I'm going to keep bugging you. What if we quit asking God for glory and started saying, I receive your glory? I am clothed with glory. I thank you for glory. There's just a little paradigm shift here I'm bugging you about because as long as you keep asking for things, then there's something within you that keeps saying you don't yet have it. But what if we were asking in a framework of understanding that he's actually dispensed it and dispensing more? Amen? So we are, we are partakers with him. We are justified because of him. Verse 17, Romans chapter 5. This is not the sermon. This is the warm-up. For if by the transgression of the one, who was the one? Adam. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. What reigned? What reigned? Death reigned much more, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Who's reigning in life? We are. Amen? Second Peter chapter 1. Do I have it in my Bible? Did it fall out? <gasps> oh, my word. Second Peter chapter 1 is the section that fell out. <laughs> All right. Second Peter chapter 1. Can you go there on your own? Without me? Picking up at about verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge, the true knowledge of Christ Jesus. And it says something to the effect of, is it up on the screen? Okay, let's keep going. Go to the next verse. Let's read it together. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life 
and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Going on. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now that tells us one thing, that you are a partaker of the divine nature, number one. Number two, it tells us the more you understand his precious and magnificent promises, the more your partaking of the divine nature increases. So it's not that God is giving you more. You have to understand he gave everything to Jesus and you are in Jesus. So if so he's actually poured out upon you everything because he poured out upon Jesus everything. That's why in Ephesians 1.3 it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Because we're in Christ Jesus. He has not withheld anything from his Son, and you are in the Son. So he has poured out everything on the Son, and since you're in the Son, you've already received everything, but you don't have illumination on all that you've received. This is why your participation or your impartation or your receiving or your increase in the divine nature comes as you know more about the precious and magnificent promises that he has given you because he gave them to Jesus. All of the promises are yes and amen in him to those who believe. Right? So inasmuch... And this is, this is the heart of the matter that you have to get, that on the inside of you, inasmuch as Jesus cannot fail, I cannot fail. And you know what? I'm going to find a promise to hang that on. You might not even know the promise right now that will move you into the next place or the next level of divine nature, but guess what? There is one. Did you hear me? You might not know right now the promise that will move you into the next place or the next level of the divine nature, but there is one. And the only thing keeping you from that next level is you finding the promise, discerning, coming to understand the promise. This is why Paul prayed over and over over every church that was planted, that they would have and receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they would come to know the power that is theirs to them who believe. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. So the prayer is not so much, so much, the prayer is not so much uh, an understand the vernacular. I'm not trying to pick on you uh, purposely, but the prayer is not so much like, you know, give me Lord, more Lord, but maybe the more appropriate prayer is, Open my eyes to see even more. Are you following me? Now, don't, don't hurt me, slap me, or hit me if you hear me say, give me more, Lord. And maybe it would apply to some relegated arena of which it would be appropriate to pray that way. I don't want us running around beating each other up on vernacular too much. Only a little bit. 
But I do believe that there are, there are issues within religion that are actually traditional issues that are embedded within our religious culture that are very trickily, is that a word? Trickily deceptive. And they keep us from the fullness of what God has for us because we keep going along to get along. Again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not even calling you this. But I'm just, remember what Jesus said about some of the religious stuff he experienced? He said, it's just the blind leading the blind. And if the people you associate are getting no breakthroughs, and if the people you associate with, hear me, uh, again, I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm, I'm not trying to be mocky. I'm not trying, is that a word? Mocky. I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I do believe that we need to be careful. We need to be Bereans. We really need to understand the truth of the word. We, underst- we need to understand and press in to really lay hold of how to move into the fullness of what he has made us to be. And there are elements that keep us from that. Amen? All right, that was an appetizer. Last week I talked about that there are three elements to reigning in life that are very important. Uh, For several weeks I couldn't get away from work. It was the four-letter word that was dropped down upon the atmosphere of the church service, work. Uh, Many thought I was cussing, but I was moving us into a dimension of, of God's heart. God is six times work, one time rest. God loves work. When uh, Jesus was asked about work, he said, I work. My father works. This is what we do. We love work. You know why? Because God loves productivity. The desire to produce within you is of God. The desire to overcome is of God. That's not the devil. The desire to worship work, that's of the devil. The devil doesn't create. He just comes up with a spin upon God's principles that will move them into distortion or perversion. To pervert doesn't mean sexually... Messed up, it means anything messed up. To to pervert means to twist, to distort, to slightly bend. That's what pervert means. Satan comes to take truths and to slightly bend them in such a manner now that that they don't produce or that they come into a place of disorder where we need to go to Les Schwab and get a fresh front end alignment because we're just steering off course a little bit. Amen? So we talked about work, work being important. We talked about excellence being important. Uh, And uh, what was the third thing we talked about? Who was listening? What? What? Blessing. We talked about blessing. We're going to spend more time on blessing. We're going to come back to blessing. Everybody say blessing. You are created to give a blessing that she might receive a blessing. Amen? We'll come back to that. I want to talk today about the second principle a little bit more, the principle of excellence. Because excellence is the nature of God. And if you've been to Walmart lately, hello. If you've been to Walmart lately, you know the culture. 
culture is, is degenerating. Come on, when you're wearing your pajamas, when you're wearing your pajamas on a shopping trip, baby, we know the spirit of excellence needs to be revived within you. Come on, one of our favorite things is to get the photos of those folks wearing pajamas on their shopping trips. Lordy, but it breaks most of the cameras, and so we can't show them to you. But excellence, I want to talk a little bit about excellence because uh, this is part of his nature now that is our nature. And so if his nature is our nature, then that means for us to refuse his nature is pride. And maybe we actually think that the lack of excellence or the lack of yielding to, cultivating, working with excellence is actually humility. But anything that's his nature... Anything that's his nature, if we resist it, that's not humility, that's pride. And so that, that's a little bit of what came to my mind a little bit today. I'm going to preach uh, in a reverse manner. Instead of talking about how to get excellence, I'm going to talk about what keeps us from excellence. If the Holy Spirit is provoking us toward excellence, if the testimony of Jesus within you is toward excellence, if the conviction and the grace and the life of resurrection within you after the nature of God is toward excellence, then what is it that is rooted within us that keeps fighting excellence? What is it that's rooted within us that's resisting the testimony of Jesus? We need to overcome those things, right? So Paul says, great spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, is for you to bring down, tear down, destroy, right? Take captive every stronghold that exalts itself up against the knowledge of Jesus. Bring every thought into captivity, He says this is very powerful spiritual warfare, and it's a warfare that we accomplish on a microsmic level within our hearts, within our own thinking, within our own mind, in that that whatever God's character is, guess what? You represent it. His nature is within you. I'm not saying represent on an accident. I'm not putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable on accident. I know the word is represent, but I'm breaking it down for you on purpose because I want you to see that this is what we are enabled to do. Did you hear me? I didn't say this is what we're called to do because that's going to make you sound, it's going to make it sound like work. It is never work for Sterling to act like a wolf. It's never work for Jasmine to act like a wolf. It's actually work for them to act contrary to a wolf. We get the idea sometimes that acting like God is hard work is something we have to do. It's not something we have to do. It's something that's natural for you. If you're crucifying the carnal realm, and we should start doing that the moment our eyes pop open, then you're entering into resurrection life throughout the day, and every single moment of the day, you're making those wonderful, powerful, grace-filled choices because your new nature is drawing you into them, and your new nature is a powerful testimony within you that this is the way. Walk you in it. Amen? 
Excellence means to go beyond the norm. It means to perform at the best. It means to possess superior merit. It means to be remarkably good. It means to have a superior quality. It means complete, thorough, sufficient, over-the-top, exceedingly good, abundant. It means distinct. It means brilliant. It means great. It means preeminent. Some synonyms. Superior. With dignity. Flawless. Impeccable. Notable. What are some of the antonyms, some of the opposites of excellence? Mediocrity, average, commonplace, ordinary, typical, inferior, low in quality or grade, lesser in value, half-hearted, average, bad, crummy. How's that for a deep one? Crummy. That is not the banana bread. Crummy. Inferior. We've been enjoying banana bread at the house. Ordinary, worthless, shoddy. I thought that was cool. Shoddy. Shoddy. Skimp. Skimping. Skimpy. Partial, incomplete. Let's look at a couple of biblical verses on this. And then I want to talk about what is it that keeps the body of Christ, that keeps us from excellence? Because this is part of reigning in life. Reigning in life is being attached to his nature and his nature being attached to us. Psalm 8, verse 1 A psalm of David, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens. It says his name is excellent. Some of the translations pick up on some of the synonyms. It says that his name is glorious or his name is majestic. His name. His name is above all names. Psalm 8.1. Job 37.23, touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out, for he is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. The Almighty, he is excellent. He's exalted. Another word, surpassing is used in Scripture and in translating the Bible. Psalm 150 in verse 2, praise Him for His mighty deeds or His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. So God is excellent. This is His nature. It's His name. It's His deeds. Excellent, surpassing, exalted, extraordinary. Glorious. This is interesting. Now, the word also 
confirms that that's his, this is our nature. Psalm 16, verse 3, but to the saints that are into the earth, Psalm 16, 3, but to the saints that are in the earth, they are the glorious ones or the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The saints are the excellent ones, the glorious ones, the exalted ones. And then we read about Daniel last week, Daniel chapter 5. I've heard of this one, this Daniel, verse 14. The spirit of the gods is in him. Light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in him. And then again in chapter 6 and verse 3. So what's the root that keeps us from excellence? Got a couple minutes to go through 30 items. We won't touch on all of them. I think doubt and fear is one of them. Doubt and fear. I think greed could be one of them. Come on, everybody say greed. I pulled up these articles. It happens all over the globe. I even found one in Tennessee. Shoddy materials. Happened in Bangladesh. Happened in India. Happened in Beijing. Buildings falling. Lack of excellence. Wow. Might be a metaphor right there. What if the thing that we build falls because it lacks excellence? In Bangladesh, building materials blamed for Bangladesh factory collapse built on extremely poor construction materials. I probably pulled up 20 articles like that all across the globe. Could have been greed, could it have been greed? Well, you know, what's the primary motivator for greed? Doubt and unbelief, fear, fear. Why do we sometimes pull away from excellence? Uh, We don't have the resources for it. Our God does not have the resources for it. Oh, sometimes we're in a big hurry. Sometimes it's time sensitive. Uh, Sometimes it could be greed sensitive. If we don't pour as much into this, we'll have more left over for ourselves. But when we consider all three of those elements, time sensitivity, resource sensitivity, when we consider those elements, be it greed, be it resources, or be it doubt and fear, it does appear that many times it comes down to faith. We have to know, okay, this is God's character. This is God's nature. This is what God desires. Therefore, I will thrust myself into this fully. Therefore, I will do this with all of my heart. Therefore, I will believe for a fullness of resource. You've heard the saying. I know it's, it's maybe trite, but if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Can you believe that? 
Can you believe that he's sufficient? Will you agree that he's sufficient? Will you act as if he's sufficient in all that you put your hand to so that you move beyond mediocre, you move beyond good enough, you move into the realm of excellence? Oral Roberts said something that I thought was really cool. And not that I'm an Oral Roberts guru or something, but I I thought this was really cool. He said, I'm convinced that faith runs on the track of excellence. And everything I've attempted to achieve in mediocrity has failed. I'm convinced that faith runs on the track of excellence. In other words, if, it's, if God's put it in your heart, if God's given you the desire, do it with all your heart. If God's given you the desire, do it all the way. If, it's, if you're called to it, or this is your season for it, or you're here, if you're here at this company, if you're married to this woman, if you're the father of these children, do it with all your heart. Because anything you attempt in mediocrity will surely fail. And mediocrity simply means... You're not exercising a fullness of faith. You haven't laid hold of a fullness of faith or you are not disciplining yourself to a fullness of faith. The fact is we might actually be able to measure the level of faith that we're operating in by looking at the level of excellence that we're living in. If the level's down, we know the faith is down. If the level of excellence is up, we know the faith is up because the two have a corresponding relationship. God is big enough to get it done, big enough to repair, big enough to heal, big enough to get you through it, big enough to overcome and cause you to be victorious. Remember, you're knit to Jesus, the overcomer. Amen? Greed or selfishness, uh, this is the withholding of excellence to spend it on ourselves. Well, again, this is a lack of faith. It's holding back for personal gain or personal benefit, but we're only shooting ourselves in the foot. It won't really produce. It's going to be like a building that collapses as soon as something shakes. You're just setting yourself up for a collapse in a storm, and a storm's going to come. So when you build anything with excellence, it's going to withstand the next storm, and there will be another storm. So everything looks good in mediocrity because there's no storm. You finish a project in mediocrity, everything looks good. There's no storm. There's no inspection. There's no review. But the inspection's coming. It's going to come in a storm. Whether an inspector comes or not, the storm will itself provide the inspection. Well, we didn't have anybody to test the concrete in Bangladesh. Well, in India, nobody really tested the, 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 the PSI. Oh, yeah, no, somebody tested it. That 3.2 on the Richter scale tested it. And it fell. And that's the way it is with our own lives. When we don't build with excellence, there will be a test. Maybe nobody inspects my work right now, but there will be a test. Something's going to shake in a month or in two, and when it shakes, it will reveal the quality with which I built. (laughs) 
Poverty of soul. Poverty of soul. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33 through 35, he says, the good man out of the good treasure within him brings forth good. We might say the excellent man out of the excellent treasure in him brings forth excellence. See, we think excellence sometimes is resources alone, but it's not. Joel and I have a friend. Uh, we've always marveled she can go to Value Village and come out looking better than most who go to Nordstrom. How does she do that? It's the treasure in her heart. It's the treasure in her heart. When I say poverty of soul, I don't mean a poor spirit. I don't mean a poor outlook. I'm coming to that one next. I don't, I don't mean poverty as in a poverty spirit. What I mean is you're just simply lacking education. Many times out of family, out of tradition, out of upbringing, we just lack the treasure within us on how to bring it forth. So we have to search out coaching. Rather than blaming our history, rather than blaming others, rather than being defensive, rather than making excuses, rather than comparing ourselves to the other mediocre who, of, of whom we are just one hair above and feeling good about ourselves. You've done that. I've done that. What we need to do if we're lacking treasure within us to bring excellence out of the resources we now have, because, see, excellence is not using your credit card more effectively. Excellence is not veneer, and it's not looking like you're something that you're not. Excellence is doing the best you have with what you have in Jesus. That's what excellence is. It's not a false pretense. But this also means sometimes we have to search out a greater level of treasure. Everything that we're doing, everything that you put your hand to, do not limit yourself at the level that you'll bring forth at what now is in your treasure. Search out a greater treasure. How do we do this? How do we do it better? What's, what's acceptable? What's the best right now? How do we? And you know what? God will coach you in all of that. The Holy Spirit loves to send coaches into the, the, your life if you'll look. If you'll just search. He'll lead you into the wisdom that brings you into walking in excellence. Hosea 4.6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Religious piety and humility. This is another root issue within the church because sometimes we confuse excellence with pride. And on the outside, they look the same, but on the inside, they smell different. Right? Pride stinks. Excellence is like cologne. But in our religiosity, in our, in our religiondom, in our, in, our, in our aversion to pride, we will sometimes avoid or have an aversion toward excellence because we're thinking that's pride. Am I making sense? But pride, here's the difference. Pride says I am great. Pride says this is for me. Pride says I must prove myself. Pride says notice me. Pride says, I will be tops. I am the best. I'll show them how sharp I am. But excellence says this. I'm great because of him. This will glorify God. 
I will be my best to display him. I will do my best as unto him. My best requires more faith than just getting by. God raises me up. I will walk worthy of my calling. Are we missing, have we allowed, have we allowed a, 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 a root of religious piety, false humility, I would call it, to get a hold of us? We, we, don't, want to, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We don't, we don't want to do it the best because that would draw attention to ourselves. Really? Don't you have a good mirror somewhere that you could just kind of reflect that back up to Jesus? Didn't Jesus say they will see your good works and because of something about you, glorify your Father who is in heaven? Amen? Oh, we'll never get through these. Here's another one, laziness. Oh, you knew that. Bump somebody, give them a big elbow. Rebellion, pride with a dash of rejection. Say that one. Rebellion, pride with a dash of rejection. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's just going to have to be good enough. If they don't like it, tough. I don't want to be around people like that anyway. I'm not going to put on some act. Really? Really? Read Colossians 3. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on humility. Put on love. Put on the fruit of the Spirit. You better put it on. You better put it on. That's just getting in agreement with your nature. Musicians, would you come? I'm almost done. It's the last poke on the barbed wire fence. I'm right on my last point. Would you stand with me this morning? How about this one? Disdaining small things. Did you know that excellence starts with the little things that others despise? Excellence starts with the little things that others despise. Most people think this way. Give me something worth doing and I'll do it excellently. But the child of God says, give me something to do and I'll do it excellently. Give me the smallest thing that you've got. And he that is faithful in a little thing will be faithful in much. Amen? Oh, the main thing I want you to get this morning is that you have his nature. You have his nature. You have his overcoming nature. You know, when the word talks about grace and the abundance of grace, you know what the word there means? Romans five seventeen. you've received the abundance of grace. Yes, we know the word grace means favor. We know it means unmerited favor. But one of the truest meanings of the word grace in the Bible is the power to do God's will.
You've received an abundance of the power to do God's will. It's your nature. It's your nature. All across the auditorium, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment, and would you just begin to thank Him right now for a transformed nature? Begin to thank Him right now. I I would just love it this morning. If we close this morning, not so much in petition, not feeling beat up and feeling like we don't measure up, but feeling thankful, thanksgiving, 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 thanksgiving that His nature is in you. His nature is in you. The overcoming nature of Jesus is dominating your thoughts. We're just rooting out everything else. Everything else has to go. Everything else has to go. We're saying no to the old nature. That old sabotaging nature has to go because we are yielding to and agreeing with this new dominant one on the inside of us. The testimony of victories on the inside. The testimony of love. The testimony of progress. The testimony of breakthrough. The testimony of winning. The testimony of advancement is on the inside of us. And we just invite you, Jesus. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1 now for a moment. I want you to just invite the Holy Spirit to teach you. Invite the Holy Spirit to open up precious and magnificent promises. Holy Spirit, would you show us all that is ours in Jesus? Would you show me? Come on, make it your prayer. Would you show me the precious promises? Show me my new nature. Show me what is mine. Show me who you've made me to be. and revelation rest upon us in the knowledge of God.